Hello and welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I will be talking to Aaron Moncur, a mechanical engineer who runs a mechanical design firm called Pipeline Design and Engineering. And he's also the host of the podcast, Being an Engineer. This is a podcast that collects and shares industry knowledge and best practices associated with the discipline of engineering. We will be talking about his career journey, how he went from being laid off from his job to opening his own successful engineering firm. I'm your host, Jeff Perry. I'm the founder of More Than Engineering, and this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. It's the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Now, before we get started, this is a free show, and our sponsors help us to keep it free. So I would like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Washington State University. Washington State University's Engineering and Technology Management Master's Degree Program is a perfect balance of technical and managerial education that helps prepare practicing engineers for managing projects, people, and organizational systems. As one former student noted, the knowledge that I gained from the ETM program helped me become a more competent, confident engineer and manager. The program greatly impacted my career and has been a key element in my continued success. You can learn more about the engineering management profession at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm.wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. Now let's jump right in. Now it's time to jump right into the main segment of our episode. Today I'm visiting with Aaron Moncur, and we'll be talking about his career journey and the experience as an engineering owner of a firm. Aaron, I'm excited to talk to you. Welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Delighted to be here. Now, Aaron, I'm curious before we really dive into some of these other topics and ideas, can you give our listeners a little bit of an overview about what it is that you do on a daily basis? I'm the, the owner and founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering, and so I spend most of my time these days doing business development. Early on, I was the guy doing everything because it was just me, so I do all the engineering and the assembly and calling vendors and procurement and ordering stuff. These days, we have a very capable team, about 15 engineers, and they do all the hard work, and I get to focus on business development. So. I do uh, a lot of sales and I do marketing and uh, I think about processes and implement processes and systems for the company. Another thing I spend a fair amount of time on is educating myself. I am not a business person by education. I didn't go to business school. I do not have an MBA. And so I felt it necessary to spend time on a regular basis educating myself as a business owner. And I've done that in a variety of ways. I've had various coaches over the years who have been tremendously helpful. I've been part of business coaching groups. I read a lot, a lot of business books and personal development books. And that's all been very, very helpful. So, you know, that's a quick summary of the things that I do each day. For those who aren't familiar, can you tell us what pipeline your engineering firm specialty really is and, and some of the things that you do for clients and customers? 
we focus on developing custom turnkey R&D test and manufacturing equipment for medical device companies. We work with non-medical companies as well, but the majority of our business is in that medical device space. I want to get into kind of the story of, of Pipeline's growth. We'll get into that. But a few years ago, a number of years ago, we've talked a little bit and there was a stage in your career that even questioned if you wanted to be an engineer or not. Do you mind sharing us kind of what was going on and why you were feeling that way at that point? I was about three or four years out of college. I'd been working for a really talented engineering company. Lots of good people there, very smart engineers. And uh, towards the beginning of my time there, I loved it. You know, I was doing prototyping and I was doing CAD and I was meeting with customers and it was a lot of fun. And I guess as time went on, Part of it was I stopped doing as much of the fun stuff and we got into ISO 1345 and quality systems and, you know, it just became a lot of paperwork that wasn't as fun as the hardcore engineering, the design part of it. But the other part was, and I didn't really realize or appreciate it at the time, I really enjoy having high level ownership over an entire project or organization. And, and at the time, I was, I was a cog in the machine, which is fine. You know, the world needs cogs for sure. It wasn't for me. And I started becoming less engaged in the work. I remember I used to walk around the office with my earbuds, you know, listening to music every day. And, and that really kind of isolated and cut me off from uh, a lot of people, which uh, I should have realized at the time, but I didn't. I think it was just an outward expression of this inward feeling I had of being less engaged with the work. The people there, they were very smart, you know, the leaders of that company, and they recognized pretty quickly that, hey, this guy, Aaron, he's not as engaged now as he used to be. And uh, that was right about the time of the recession. So the recession hit and uh, they let uh, a few people go. And I was one of them. And looking back, I think they made the right choice. I remember feeling sick to my stomach for several days after being laid off, but it turned out to be uh, genuinely one of the best things that has ever happened to me. Where you went from there, you know, how did you get through that experience and what was the next step for you after that? Once I got out of that shock, you know, like feeling sick about it and what am I going to do? And I had to tell my wife and we had small child and then, you know, kind of panicking, right? I thought for a time that I didn't like engineering anymore. And so I explored a few different things. I explored commercial real estate. I actually did web design for a little while. I started a photography company with a friend of mine and we ran that for several years. Ultimately, my father-in-law one day, he pulled me aside and said, you know, you spent a long time going to school to become an engineer. Maybe there's still something there. Maybe what you don't like anymore isn't engineering, but it's the way in which you were doing engineering. That's an interesting statement. And there's probably a lot of wisdom in there that I should think about. And I did. And so I decided to do some contract work, freelance work, really. I knew some people in the industry. So I reached out and said, hey, I'm doing some freelance work. You know, do you need help with any of your projects? And I got a few small little jobs. I was paid hardly anything, you know, a really terrible wage back then, but I wanted to do some work. And what I realized was that having that high level ownership of the entire process, you know, 
being the, the person who uh, conceptualizes the design and then who creates the design and does the engineering within the design and then creates all the drawings and then contacts vendors and gets quotes and then manages that procurement and fabrication process and, and does the assembly. Having that high level ownership was really transformational for me. No longer was I just doing this one little part that, that someone had told me to go do. I was kind of architecting the entire process and executing it as well. And that was powerfully transformational for me. And, and I realized that I do still love engineering. I want to be in charge of how it's done. That was an epiphany for me. I, I also realized the definition we use these days is entrepreneur. That's what I love. You know, I love finding new paths and, and thinking about new ideas and new and better ways to do things and having that high level ownership. That's what motivates me. What was that transition like? You were exploring a number of different business ideas and things you had done. You started doing freelance back in the engineering space. So what then turned the corner to really start your own firm and say, I'm going to actually make this what I'm going to do. I'm going to business and then start building eventually a team around it. What was that switch like to really commit to that process? It was slow and gradual. I remember in the beginning, so this is 2009, about 12 years ago, it was just me. I did everything, wore a lot of different hats. I said to myself, I really love doing this now. I don't think I ever want to have employees or manage a team or anything like that because I love the way it is right now. I remember telling a friend that he was like, what's next? You know, are you going to grow? What are you going to do? And I was like, no, no, no. I just want it to be me. I don't want to have the liability of anyone else to just, you know, manage myself in my own time. That's great. And then I started getting busier to the point where I couldn't handle all the work myself. And so by necessity, I had to pull in a contractor and then two and then three. In 2014, I think I hired my first full-time employee. Slowly and steadily after that, kept adding people to the team. It's funny, I, I would always tell my wife that I didn't feel like Pipeline was a real company. You know, it's just this thing that I'm doing right now and I've got some people who are helping me, but, you know, it's probably going to blow up next month and I'll go away and then I'll figure something else out. And I felt like that honestly until very recently. I mean, within the past year maybe is when it started changing. Uh, probably three years ago, yeah, about 2019-ish, 2018, 2019, I started feeling like I'd like to build this in, into something real. I'd like to be not just kind of a mom and pop shop, but have a, you know, a legitimate established company. That was when I started doing, uh, getting coaching and, and joining some business development groups that would help me with that. I've always done a lot of personal development reading. I started doing more business development reading at that point and educating myself. Honestly, it's only been the past you know, year or so that I felt like we've got something real here. This is becoming a real business and, and not just something I'm doing with some people who are helping me. You know, We've got a real a solid team pulled together and helpful processes to move things along. Well, that's really cool that you feel like you've turned that corner and are not now on a different trajectory. I do want to dig into some of these early days because it's taken you, I mean, you've been doing this over 12 years or something you said, right? Yeah. Talk to me about those early days, like some of the, when you were first starting and maybe bringing on some of those early employees and contractors, like did moving through this and, and juggling all these different balls as a new business owner, did that come naturally to you? You talk about some of the challenges that you were dealing with when you're starting out. In a way, it did come naturally to me. I think 
it's in my genes to do this. I've always enjoyed taking a big high-level problem and breaking it down into its separate components and then attacking each one of those segments in a very logical, organized manner. The struggles I had in the beginning, time management was one of them, not necessarily being productive, but working too much. I mean, back then, I was probably doing very commonly 60 plus hour weeks. I have a wife and I had multiple kids at that point. And so trying to pull myself back and, and not work so much was difficult. That's, you know, partly what led to hiring some contractors. But, you know, when you're small, even when you have contractors who are helping, you're still the guy who's managing everything. So I don't know how I would have done it differently at this point. It just, it took a lot of work to get everything done. So as you've grown and you've brought people on and contractors and full-time employees, kind of a, a mix there, sounds like you're still probably at. What's your approach to working with and developing the people in your organization? How do you bring them in? How do you help them be successful? How do you set those expectations? What are the things you do that, that put that in place so that not just you, but, but everyone who is a part of Pipeline can be successful? Something that we have done recently, we've had an explosion of work very recently. We've had to hire people quickly and move quickly on these projects. We didn't have enough people to manage or lead projects. We had almost too many project engineers and not enough project managers or project leads. So one thing we've done to facilitate that growth in the individual engineers is we've asked some of our senior engineers to step into project lead or project management roles. And we have some processes that have put in place over the years that um, guide them and give them a foundation to follow at least. We'll have weekly meetings together just for half an hour or so to talk about what's going well, what's not going well, you're new to this, how can I help you? And that's been pretty cool to see some of the senior engineers step up and, and move into a project lead position. Mentoring is, maybe that's the right way to say it, where there's me and we have an engineering manager and both of us have been doing some mentoring to the senior engineers who have stepped up into these leadership roles. That's been really helpful for them, I think. And then uh, these senior engineers themselves have become mentors to the junior engineers, where they're now not just doing the project work, but they're, they're helping others to do the project work. I think having these stages of, of mentorship are really helpful. You know, as an individual, you can only do so much. You only have so many hours in a day. But if you can train someone to do those things, and then that person can train someone else to do those things, it becomes this trickle-down effect where overall you can get a lot more done. So yeah, mentorship has been really helpful at Pipeline. I just want to take a quick break here and once again recognize our sponsor for this podcast episode, Washington State University. The Engineering and Technology Management Program at Washington State University is a systematic approach to professional development for practicing engineers to shift from fully technical positions into leading technical employees and systems. A fully online master's degree program, students take classes at night and often implement class lessons in their positions at work before the next class. Learn more about a master's degree in engineering and technology management at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm at wsu.edu. 
take charge of your career and reach out today. So now at this next stage of, of the company, as you continue to grow, you're getting more business, you're growing your team and, and bringing people on, you're facing different challenges, I imagine, than you were facing at the very beginning when it was just you and maybe a couple other people as you needed. So what do you see as biggest challenges that you're facing now and maybe that you see ahead of you? And, and what's your approach to facing these new types of challenges as they come? The big challenge right now, we're in kind of a transitional phase, I feel like, where something that coaches of mine have told me in the past is what got you to where you are is not going to get you to the next step. And we've been able to be a little bit loosey-goosey, you know, to some extent in, in how we did things with a smaller team, you know, less than 10 people. But now we're at 15 people and we're still growing. I see the need to have much better defined processes. One of the things I'm doing right now that's been really helpful, actually, is going through this ISO 9001 planning. Our goal is to be ISO 9001 certified by the end of the year. And I've purchased the standard and I've read through the standard and I've begun designing and implementing our QMS, our quality management system. One thing I've noticed about this 9001 standard is I thought previously to having actually read the standard that it was just for manufacturing widgets. You know, if you want to manufacture widgets well, then get your ISO 9001. It turns out that's not the case. ISO 9001 is really business management system. It gets into every facet of the business and forces you to think through the different processes for how those different facets are run. And that's been really helpful. We already had a lot of those processes in place, but not all of them. And it's forced me to think through what are we missing and uh, what do we need to implement and thinking at a very, very high level, like why does pipeline exist? You know, what really are we trying to accomplish? What is the job that we are hiring ISO 9001 to do? That's all been very useful. And then establishing uh, more of a leadership team. I still kind of call all the shots at a very high level. And like my coaches have told me in the past, what got us to where we are now is not going to get us to the next level. So I cannot be the one calling all the shots anymore. I have to have a leadership team who bears some of that burden. One of my coaches asked me, he said, what do you think a leader is? And, you know, I came up with some definitions that I thought sounded good. And he said, okay, that's all great. Here's what a leader is. A leader is someone who initiates change. And I thought, wow, that is such a great definition for a leader. So I, I need more people to help me initiate change. As you've been going through this process personally and as a business, you've been kind of examining the, the purpose of your company. Why does it exist? Where do you want to take it? What really drives you at this point of your career? What excites you at this stage? You know, you're not starting something brand new, but you're still building something and you can still see that high level, which really excited you from the very beginning. So what is the big motivating factor for you that drives you forward at this point? Put shortly, it's the freedom to pursue my own ideas. I think that's really what it comes down to. When I was in school, and I went to school for a long time, I was there for seven years doing an undergraduate and a, and a master's and a minor. I didn't like school. You know, looking back, I don't know why I, was, I stayed in school for so long, but I didn't like being there. And I think the main reason I didn't like being there was because I had to be where someone else told me to be at a time when someone else told me to be there to do something that someone else told me to do. 
going back to my cog analogy, the world needs cogs. You know, the world needs people that are on the ground doing these things that someone else tells them to do. So I'm not minimizing that role at all. It just wasn't for me. The same is true in my professional life. And I think that's why I became so disengaged with the work early on at that first company I worked for. I was only doing the things that other people told me to do. And owning my own business, it gives me the freedom to pursue my own ideas. I mean, right now we're an engineering services company, but that's just the first step in the roadmap. There are steps two and steps three as well. One of which is to develop something I've talked about in the past on my own podcast called the Pipeline Academy which is uh, an alternative for folks that want to become mechanical design engineers, an alternative to going to a four-year university. And then we're also working actively towards developing our own products that we will sell to the industry. If I wasn't the business owner, I would not have the freedom to say, I think this is a useful endeavor to pursue and I'm going to pursue it. But as the business owner, I can take those risks and kind of hold destiny in my own hands. And I love that you see these new opportunities, you see these new stages in front of you and get excited about these challenges as we grow as people, as we grow throughout our careers, you know, that's, that's just kind of how it happens. You can see the pattern of those things that are important to you from early on, you know, being in school. Some engineers and other people, they love being told and having it laid out like, this is what's due, this is the expectation, here's the rubric and, you know, what your expectations are. But even as an employee, a cog or something, as you say, in the corporate world, even if you're not interested in, in starting a business, things are not quite as straightforward as they were in engineering school, like ever. And so we need to be able to deal with some, that subjectivity to be able to create for ourselves and think for ourselves rather than just be kind of reactionary to the people that are asking us to take care of things. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. That's one of the reasons I'm really interested in Pipeline Academy, because the whole idea would be doing is better than learning about doing. So we'd have students who are actively involved in real projects, you know, hands-on, building things, designing things. School was great for giving you that general foundation, but not super effective at providing any real industry experience. If there are any of our listeners who are also thinking about maybe at some point starting their own firm or company, what advice or insights would you have for them if they're thinking about doing it? There are a few things I can share. First of all, I think it's really important to find mentors, whether that's a paid coach or a friend who's been there, done that. And something that's really interesting to me is that you never know where that crucial piece of information or idea is going to come from. I've had breakthrough ideas from reading a $10 book and I've had breakthrough ideas from attending a business coaching session that was many thousands of dollars in cost. And you just never know where that idea is going to come from. So exposing yourself to new ideas, and I think a great way to do that is having coaches and mentors and groups of people who are like-minded who can you know, share with you their experience. That's a great way to do it. For us, it's been helpful to focus on a niche. When we started, we were very general. We did, we designed an iPhone case or a medical device or some solar power equipment, but it was very general across the board. And these days we're focused uh, almost exclusively on developing custom equipment for medical device companies. As far as sales, anyone starting their own business is gonna have to do some form of sales or another. 
And one lesson I've learned that's been really important is that it is much more effective to concentrate your sales efforts on a small group of people for a sustained period of time than it is to concentrate your efforts on a large group of people, but that you only follow up with, you know, once or maybe twice and, and nothing beyond that. There's, there's a quote I have on my wall, Benjamin Hardy, who wrote, willpower doesn't work. And he says, success isn't that difficult. It merely involves taking 20 steps in a singular direction. Most people take one step in 20 directions. And I've found that to be true for sales. Hard work, I think, is more important than being really smart. I have never considered myself to be incredibly intelligent. I got, you know, A's and B's in college, but it was hard for me to get those A's and B's. I worked very hard to get them. I don't feel like I'm naturally terribly intelligent. I do know how to work hard and be persistent. And I think that in the end is more important than having a high IQ. It's okay to feel like you're making it up as you go along. I had a, a mentor long time ago who used to say, fake it till you make it. I like to think I'm not faking it till I make it as often these days, but there are certainly times when I don't really know what the right answer is. I just pick something and I do it and hope that it works out. Another quote on my wall says, when in doubt, assume you're right. Decisiveness is productive. And I can't remember where I got that one, but I've also found that to be very true. When in doubt, assume you're right. Decisiveness is productive. That's some great insights and advice from someone who's been there for a number of years now. So at this point, we're going to transition to the take action today segment of the show where we'll get one final takeaway from Aaron. Now it's time for our take action today segment of the show. Today, Aaron's been talking to us about growing a business and his engineering career, but he's going to give us one final takeaway about being intentional and kind of creating your own destiny. So Aaron, take it away for us. There is an analogy that I heard from a gentleman named Earl Nightingale, who was one of the early pioneers of personal development. For those of you who haven't heard of him, highly recommend purchasing their program, Lead the Field. It's, it's about a four-hour audio program. One of the best things I've ever listened to. I still listen to it, you know, to this day. But one of the analogies that he gives in there is if you ask the captain of a ship sailing cargo from port to port, where he's going, you know, he's at a port and, and he's going somewhere next. You ask that captain where he's going, he'll tell you exactly where he's going. He knows where. Going through life without having that kind of intentional destination without having that kind of plan or purpose is kind of like being a ship without a rudder. The waves are going to toss you back and forth. And it's very easy these days to just be reactionary in how you live your life. If we can develop that intention, it's almost like magic, you know, what we can accomplish if we have a clear vision that's written down with as much detail as possible, having intention about where we want to end up, where we want to go, I think is very, very powerful. Even after having thought about this idea for over a decade, I still find myself with a lack of clarity at times. So I think the action that, that we can all take today is sit down and think about where is it that you want to be five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and then start designing your life around that intention to guide you specifically towards that goal. Wise words from Aaron. So thank you so much, 
if people want to reach out to you or connect with you or learn more about Pipeline or you mentioned your podcast, can you share a little bit more about that so people can find it? Our website for Pipeline is teampipeline.us and you can learn more about the work that we do there. We also produce a podcast called Being an Engineer and you can find that on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. And then, of course, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm fairly active there. So if you message me there with a legitimate request, if you're just trying to sell me something, I might not answer. But if you want to connect and have a real conversation, I'm pretty active and pretty responsive on LinkedIn. Thanks so much, Aaron. We really appreciate you being on the show. And for those who are already listening to podcasts, check out Aaron's podcast, Being an Engineer. Aaron was kind enough to have me as a guest on, on the podcast, and I enjoyed our conversation there. So thanks again, Aaron, and, and good talking with you. Thank you so much, Jeff. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love your feedback, comments, and questions. Go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And don't forget to check out any upcoming webinars for this month at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for those engineers struggling with unemployment or uncertain about how to make a career transition, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. If interested, you can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.